Hey, hey, welcome to Horns Up. I'm Animesh. And I'm Peter. And yes, we're returning to a favorite format of ours, the All A album, which also means it's the return of the one and only Anurag Target. How's it going, man? Hey, guys. Yeah, good to be back on Horns Up. Good to be back talking about albums with you guys. It's always fun. Yeah, man, it's been a while. I can't believe it's taken us like, what, three months to get you on? What have you been up More to? More three months, man. No? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, more than three months, I suppose. More but than yeah. three months. Where but, yeah. the time flies. <laughs> Even yeah. in this fucking pandemic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just been the usual stuff pretty much. But yeah, tons of music to listen to. And uh, yeah, that, that's why I always dig doing this kind of stuff because it allows us to get back to an album that, you know, that I guess it's always nice to get back to albums once in a while. I mean, we'll see how, how good it was to get back to albums. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> yeah. I, Anyways. I can already sense it, but go on. <laughs> okay, so let's dig deeper into all eight. This is the format where the three of us try our best to objectively dissect each song of an album and grade it as well. And if each song manages to score an A, well, now you know why this one's called an all A album. We'll also talk about the album's context, legacy, artwork, production, and any other factoid or whatever we else we want to. So far, we've been through quite a bunch, but uh, we've only managed to find two All A's albums so far. That's uh, Rage Against the Machine's self-titled debut and Judas Priest's Painkiller. So, Peter, which album are we putting under the scanner today? And since you nominated this one, why the fuck did you choose it? Well, to be honest... This is a band that is, in a way, I would say controversial in today's day and age. I mean, the frontman is known for letting his mouth loose on everything under the sun at this point. But uh, having said all of that, like one thing about Machine Head uh, is that I must say upfront, this is the only album of theirs that I can still listen to. And Which album is it? The Blackening. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. So... Like it just completed 14 years. Uh, mm-hmm. It was released on the 26th of March, 2007. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I still remember listening to it because that's the time I lived in Dubai and Machine Head had already played Dubai Desert Rock. So there was that whole hype about them and they put on a great uh, live act. Unfortunately, I missed it. So, you know, in the local metalheads, there was like, oh, Machine Head's new album's coming and stuff. But hey, we lived in the UAE, so you're not getting the music that easily, so I'm just going to come out there. Yeah, I did pirate the album, man. I think as a 21-year-old with still in college and limited uh, resources, that's what all of us did. What about you, Anurag? Do you remember still listening to the album? Yeah, man, exactly. I do. Uh, it, it definitely, uh, for me, in fact, it was the first full-length album of Machine Head I'd heard because at that point, like I'd heard a few Indian bands like covering Machine Head at some point. I think 13th Hour did like Blood, Sweat and Tears and, and you know, like they did like a few other things that I'd heard a few things. But, and and generally, um, I think I hadn't, um, uh, there was a lot of hype around this album. Like when it came out, uh, as soon as it came out, I could just hear uh, so many people talking about it. So, uh, so many forums like, you know, going on about it. Um, I think it felt like for me, at least personally, like I hadn't heard um, a, a thrash metal album that had songs of this length. Yeah, that wasn't like, I mean, I, I think period, like I hadn't heard songs of this length in an album that wasn't Dream Theater or Porcupine Tree. So uh, I was definitely checking it out because everybody was hyping it at the time. Yeah, man, there was a lot of buzz around the album, like 10 minute songs and what the hell is going on? What's happening with Machine Head? And I think that was the pre-buzz around the album also. Yeah, yeah, man. And uh, obviously back then the internet was a different beast in terms of like how this sort of stuff worked. You know, I think before it used to be a little bit more, more, I don't know if organic is the right word, but I guess more effective. Uh, you know, it wasn't so diluted. It wasn't so lost in the din that, you know, the same week that, say, The Blackening came out, it's not like uh, 50 other, like, insane metal albums came out, right? So, uh, yeah, like, I think I think Machine Head had the work cut out for them back then. I'm not going to fucking introduce or talk about what I, like, the context about hearing it. But, yeah, this was my first Machine Head album overall as such. 
and I'm <laughs> leave it at that. But hang so, on, n- neither of you were into like burn my eyes and all of that stuff. The new metal phase. I mean, no. that's what I said. Like I heard like the blood, sweat, and the tears, but uh, not not that much, man. Not not especially. Dude, like don't get me started on like it'll it'll come out during when we dissect these songs, okay? Like my entire opinion about that band will come out through when we when we actually do this. But anyway, since we are doing this, uh, quick factoids before we begin. As Peter said, the Blackening is Machine had sixth studio album. Can't believe it! It's number six. Wow. Uh, released in twenty uh, sixth or twenty seventh March two thousand and seven in the United States. It's the band's highest charting release on the Billboard 200 and perhaps around the world as well. It's a really long listen, clocking in at uh, 61 minutes and four seconds from just eight songs. And these eight songs were recorded over a period of four months at Sharkbite Studios in Oakland, California. At the time, Machine Head were Rob Flynn, Phil Demmel, the late Adam Deuce, and Dave McLean. Some say that. The Blackening is Machine Head's masterpiece. All we are asking is, will the Blackening emerge as Hornsup's third All A album? Gentlemen, let's do this. Let's begin. Let's go for it. Come on. Cool. So starting off with track number one, which is "Clenching the Fists of Descent," clocking in at around ten minutes thirty-six seconds. Who wants to go first? And I like Anurag to go. Come on, Anurag. Yeah, man. I was just remembering how um, I think, like for me, like this album was more about some other track, which we will get to later. But I think, like to the point that I used to think that was the opening track. So then, when I started listening to this, re-listening to this album, I was just like, I don't remember this album starting like this. And it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was a little, um, uh, yeah, it was a little odd. But no, definitely, like clinching the fist of descent was. It feels like. an almost kitchen sink approach right from the get go you know like it was just um it has everything as it should since it's a 10 minute song and uh yeah like like more than that like i i think like you know it 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 feels like a good sort of a disruptive move to have a 10 minute song as your opener because you know i i guess sometimes openers are meant to be just like a punchy you know like way into the rest of the record but yeah these these guys went pretty pretty hard like straight on and it was um yeah it was i just love that that really bouncy groovy kind of breakdown that they have towards the end like that was uh, that was that was definitely one of my favorite moments uh, on this song so what's your grade man what's your grade it's a it's still a cool peter i i think you should go before this cuz <laughs> Come on, Arvind. Are you sure? Yeah, go for it. Okay, cool. I'm rating this song a solid A. It is a solid A. Okay. Um, but if you start analyzing the song and start breaking it down as such, you know what I'm going to compare this to? Go for it. I'm going to fucking compare this to a freaking thali. Okay. <laughs> it's not an. Wait, 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 wait. It gets better. It's nuanced. Okay. It's not an unlimited thali that you'll get at a Gujarati or a Rajasthani thali place, okay, mind you, but it's one that takes the best and most famous dishes off the menu and serves it up in small bite-sized portions so that you get to taste every dish and don't get fed up of any one dish, okay. And it's all arranged beautifully on a plate, right? You have clean introduction that peaks guitar virtuosity. uh you have clean strong refrige all throughout you have dual interwoven guitar solos you have a catchy chorus you have decent vocals there's a memorable breakdown and fuck there's even a call to action sing along now fight come on <laughs> right this is not a knock mind you because for a thali to be deemed a good meal you still need to know how to perfectly cook each and every dish and that's just what machine head have done here can you trace influences of the bay area in every section yes of course you can but uh, head chef rob flynn knows what he's doing and he's got his merry bunch of cooks along who know what they're doing 
and i don't know who's screaming at whom to make sure that the plating and everything has been absolutely right but he's used his team of cooks to serve up a mean dish sorry i mean song <laughs> song but this is back then when you were still you know listening to stuff on cds so you didn't mind and i just love the way it kind of progresses right i mean it takes all the best parts of thrash because this is 2007 i mean it's not like you know thrash was i mean wait 2007 so yes this was like the era of retro thrash and you had all those bands coming back right but yeah you can really see you know the influence of you know Phil Demel coming back into the band of course he was in uh, violence with uh, Rob Flynn so you have all that uh, guitar work in there and of course that whole part which i kind of already talked about earlier the fight fight in the 6 minute like i'd love to like watch this song live it's a great way to probably start uh, a set also and uh, as always when i'm doing all ears i go through the lyrics and you can clearly tell this is uh, about the war i mean where he sings so how do they sleep when our mothers weep they're selling our souls and our blood for oil so there's that whole uh, kind of theme running through uh, most of the songs but just to conclude it's an a plus for me so cool okay then so we're off to a good start three cheers for machine head fuck i never knew that i would actually say that <laughs> <laughs> okay moving on to uh the next song track number 2 this is beautiful morning peter it, what it, do you think so for me it's an a and just mm. primarily uh, for that chorus because it's such a contrast to the verse i mean like like you said right i mean it's not like rob flins like the greatest vocalist in there but like when he's writing those kind of hooks or he's writing the choruses it that's the kind of contrast that he does and plays really well with it and this goes on for the rest of the album in there but uh, i i mean all throughout i i i think at every song i'm going to be like oh yeah i love this guitar work or there's always like certain sections that you re- i really enjoy but yeah it's an a for me who's going next anurag all right yeah i mean i think like the, this one also seems to have uh, pretty much all the makings of a of a of a trash metal specifically machine head trash metal classic you know like has that fist pumping chorus going and just a lot of that whole chaotic trash soloing and stuff and yeah uh, i think i think the good part is that they realized that they can wrap this up in half the time as the previous track so i think they did good on that uh, and uh, it also i think helped them make it like the more popular track on this album itself so yeah it's it's uh, it's an a for me holy shit okay you guys are going to hate me for this i'd forgotten oh. this song <laughs> so okay but wait 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 so but after the re listen i can uh, understand why the song would appeal to teens and youth boys getting into serious metal and now that i've grown up and become uncle i can sit on my black porch and tell these kids to just fucking get off my lawn i hate the first first half of the song because it's just way too predictable it's way too hardcoreish and the clean vocals are whiny as fucking fuck oh now the second half of the song that's the thrash energy seeping back in and that's where the song really excels so this was not an a from me i'm in fact giving this a c Ooh. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, so I I don't see so here's the thing, right? I don't even remember how uh whether I'd like this particular track when I first heard the album in 2007. Um I I generally I didn't remember this song existed. So, yeah, whatever. 
So okay, okay. Uh, we're still doing pretty well, not bad. Let's move on to the lead single from this album, the song that really piqued the whole collective metal world's interest and made everyone go like, "Holy shit, yes, we fucking love Machine Head." This is track number three. This is Aesthetics of Hate. I think you should go. Come on. <laughs> no, I'd rather. Uh, I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to take a step back and. ask either anurag or peter to first set up the context for the song to exist why was the song written yeah peter take it man All right so i i mean come on is my love for panthera and dimebag is well known that's why we did cowboys for melas our first uh, all is we discussed so there was this writer or is this writer i don't even care uh will william grim who wrote uh for a website called icon class never heard of it don't care again but what he wrote about which was aesthetics of hate rest in peace dimebag abbot and good riddance where he was talking about you know he praised the murder of the guitarist dimebag darrel and come on you don't fucking do that and of all people like dimebag anyone else i can still understand but him cuz he was such a guitar hero right so just like everyone else who was pissed off so was rob flynn and he wrote the song aesthetics of hate as a retaliation to that article and i think the lyric where i which i've picked up really kind of highlights how he feels uh, about the dimebag darrel he says for the love of a brother i will this, sing this fucking song aesthetics of hate i hope you burn in hell i don't think anything more needs to be said man <laughs> okay so now that we've got the context out of the way peter let's hear your grading of this song and your mini review as such for me it's an a plus man i mean this is like i think it kind of highlights just or it's kind of put together in a song how just pissed off and uh, i i knew the a background to it and all but i mean all for me this album is one of those albums i mean i was 21 just getting over teenage angst and all of that so you're like feeling that there so of course the song kind of uh, hits you in there and then again highlight for the track is you know the part where roplin and phil demella just like trading solos to the end of the song you're just like fuck man and they just put on like a proper class again it's not stuff that will blow your mind as a guitarist or something you've never heard before but it's just so well done and it's kind of placed and uh, yeah i mean he ends the song saying may the hand of god strike them down which is like later on he talks about religion but here he's like invoking god and all of that so yeah man i i i can still like this is one of the songs like i'd regularly kind of revisit or go through there are a couple more of the album but uh, yeah it's an a plus for me already anurag yeah and like i mean like peter was saying about the angst and stuff um i think i i probably heard this song when i was 16 17 something like that so like this was my train ride song man like i was i used to listen to it in oh, yeah. in all the crowded fucking trains and yeah or uh, just like yeah on the way back home or whatever and um uh still get chills from from just the way like it progresses and especially like what again what we decide like the way the last movement like goes where he keeps he goes from that whisper to the whole scream of may the hand of god strike them down like um i actually honestly didn't know the context of this song i just thought rob flynn was pissed at something or somebody and i was just like uh, hey you know uh, good for you and i relate you know thanks for the slammer of a song so uh yeah man a, a plus for me Okay, how could this song be anything but an A? So yeah, heave your sighs of relief, boys. Don't worry, this is an A from me too. Um, it's become one of the songs that you can't hate, right? Um, yes, it was the lead single. I don't know why, but now that I am uh, uh, now after revisiting this. I mean, it had to be the lead single, right? Uh, Machine Head knew the subject matter. itself made this worthy of being the lead single great fucking marketing move <laughs> it gave major street cred to the brand to the band and it does a great job of announcing the band's new sonic landscape 
and what it promises to do and i'll say it at the time of release this song will would have left you befuddled because you would never expect machine head to be releasing this song right yeah exactly uh, i mean i that's what i was talking considering they were like this I, i mean i still consider them a trendy band they went through that new metal phase but this is something that just blew everyone's mind like what the fuck has happened to them right okay i'm going to revisit that word trend later on but <laughs> here's the thing here's the thing uh, aesthetics of hate 14 years later still remains a great song and i love to hear it live because it'll really get the crowd going um my only teensy weensy little problem with it now is i wish i could shave off that last slow motion breakdown slightly and i love the fact that there's so much of slayer worship in it so maybe yeah. tone that down a little bit but other than that it's a solid a it's 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 what metal music is meant to evoke it as an emotion it's meant to just you know be an outlet for anger for hate not for hate as such but at least for anger where you're like pissed off with the world and you don't and you can't literally go and punch someone so you write a fucking song about it and you let the song do all the pummeling so yeah one of the best pure examples of what of what metal should be and that's aesthetics of hate so yeah around of ways and this is shaping up to be quite a good album which then brings me to song number 4 which is now i lay thee down clocking in at 4 minutes 11 seconds um let me begin this one again i don't remember my very first initial reactions to the song and now on the re listen though i have to go back to my thali wala example just that now i'm being served up a thali which is flavored as a mid tempo power balladish variant of sorts solid song but overall every bit while i'm listening to it it just sounds so familiar like if you take off the name machine head and tell me this is a new band i don't know what i don't know call maybe steel razors or something maybe i'd appreciate it a bit more or let me ask you guys this what if this song was like you know couldn't you imagine in um in a better world maybe even a nickelback writing this kind of a song <laughs> think about Damn. it Damn. no <laughs> just a heavy nickelback but so okay wait so I'll, i'll tell you why i think that is the key point because this song was also the second single from the album right and it's a radio friendly track and if you've got aesthetics of hate as your lead single and you then follow it up with now i lay thee down oh my god it makes perfect sense doesn't it overall though i'll give this song a solid b because of just how vanilla it sounds like today fight me <laughs> so i'm going first punch i i'm giving it an a and it's just because of the guitar work i mean uh i'm going to not repeat myself uh yes i see the points uh, you made but i'm going to reserve those comments for the next track so i'm going to stop there anurag you want to take a stab at this yeah no i mean for me it's uh, it, i'm confused like i mean especially it seems to be influenced by now like we all guys you your ratings uh, because uh, like i i mean i love the like the real moten energy of this song you know like i but you know can't help but you know i i can't overlook the the riff uh, the main riff on this that's like you know it it to me at least back then it's probably a product of what i was listening to a lot back then which is tool so it sounds a little bit like tool for some reason but um yeah i don't know man like it it uh, definitely felt like they really dug into this one main hook a little too much uh and yeah like they i think like they they could have done with a little more diversity on this but yeah i guess i'm still gonna, yeah i'm going to give it a b then so yeah what if nickelback had released this song <laughs> well they were on the same label so <laughs> who knows who did somebody switch the oh my god conspiracy theories somebody <laughs> like somebody switched the songs somebody leak something else some shit going on there oh. no but here's the thing man like i i i guess it's just me because 
uh, for research purposes, I visited the uh, I visited the machine head subreddit or Reddit on Reddit, and fuck, they love this song. Like now, I lay thee down is considered one of the best machine head songs ever. Wow, I, mean, I, I don't. I don't, don't know post. what that says about the band, but whatever. Yeah, hey, don't don't post this episode on there. We'll get slaughtered. <laughs> <laughs> okay cool uh, so yeah we have four songs down already moving on to song number 5 which is slanderous peter so i'm going to be upfront man this this was tough and i'm giving it a b just for the lyrics i don't know what the hell these guys were going for man i mean like reading the lyrics at this point you're just like uh okay are you like baiting someone and see the thing is at the end of the day when i listen to it back then i was like ah oh, whatever okay angry heavy heavy riffs but now that i'm kind of reading the lyrics going through it i'm just like nah man i mean like could this have been left off the album yeah considering you've got like so many long songs in there so i don't know i, I i'm I, i just feel this is like could have not been there on the album or I'd have been mm-hmm. happier i'm going to skip this song if i listen to it again for sure okay cool i'm going to chip in and just say that the solo section that kicks in around the 3 minute mark is perhaps the highlight of this track and while listening to it when the song was fresh in my head and given my musical evolution since for, since like over the last 14 years and that sounds pretentious as fuck but damn this song sounds so stock it's solidly executed but it's still stock like you could probably create uh, sample banks from this particular song or maybe that's exactly what they did so anyways for me it's a c a solid c yeah Anurag. i mean uh, yeah i'm going to agree with that like it's definitely a c maybe an even and i don't know worse mostly because like i mean yeah like i get the intent of what rockfilm rockland wants to say on this and what he wants to do with this uh going to that whole shock mode or whatever but man i, I don't condone the use of the n word i don't condone the use of homophobic slurs yeah, at all yeah. so like uh <laughs> you know it's strange right like like when you're younger and you probably heard it you're like oh wow and now when you hear it you're just like why dude Like, yeah exactly that? that is that is the question why is the question um and yeah man apart from that like i think sonically also like anime said like it definitely was very stock like it it felt and, and yeah i would i would also probably skip it the second time so unfortunately this one's and and just see. one more thought right like when i was reading up they wrote 26 songs and then shortlisted down to 8 and this one made the cut so can you imagine how worse the other songs <laughs> yeah you're just like okay what's happening man <laughs> hey. And why didn't you give this song to Nickelback, bro? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because even Nickelback would be like, "No, man, we don't sound this average." <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, cool. So, okay, so since we've absolutely butchered and slandered slanderous, uh, let's move on to talk about better songs. Because yes, the next song, uh, song number six. Halo, which clocks in at a lengthy nine minutes four seconds, I'll say it. It's a fucking solid A. It's a great song. This song absolutely slams. It's tight. It's groovy. It's got a catchy chorus, and I dare say that the radio edit, which unfortunately I heard first on the re-listen, it doesn't do it justice because you have to play the long format, unedited nine-minute version for this song to actually work. If you and and Tell you what, if you've got a non-metalhead friend, and for some reason you only have this album, the Blackening, to introduce that non-metalhead friend to metal, I think Halo would be the best choice because it's not all aggro; it still harks back to the classics. So we have a good, uh, you know, a good way of actually introducing the guy to even better music, and it's got enough layers and changes to keep you interested throughout. So yes, Halo is a solid day from me. Go for it, Anurag. Yeah, and definitely a solid day for me as well because I think 
there was a time i think like a few years ago or i don't know when this happened but like the main uh, riff of this song just that with that whole fucking pinch harmonic part which is like so nuts like i i think it got stuck in my head and i was like which song is this uh and i think the reason i must have forgotten was because yeah, i suppose machine had made a 9 minute song <laughs> and you know like i guess uh, even though this this riff is really like drilled into it like i i for some for the life of me i seem to have forgotten but yeah it, it gives me such a rush man even to go back to it and to listen to it again and uh, the guitar leads everything just you know fires off it's uh, it's it's a pretty pretty good you know a redeeming song after slanderous yeah and for me also it kind of caps off because you see a trend towards this part of the album where you see like the longer songs like are much better than the shorter ones i mean the pinch harmonic riff that you're talking about in the opening right it keeps repeating through the song and it actually gets stuck and after listening to like the 9 minute song i went to the 5 minute music video and i was like why like i don't know i want to know somebody who heard the 5 minute song and then like see their reaction to the longer version like that's exactly what happened to me yeah. because i queued up this so i i don't i don't have all my music on me at the moment because of where i am so i was relying on youtube to for the to play the entire album and youtube for some reason uh in that in that curated album playlist don't have the long version oh, but shit. they have the radio edit uh of halo on their playlist so after hearing the radio edit i'm like no there's something missing because i don't <laughs> remember because see this is the thing right the song is so good i actually remembered it and i was like no man there's something missing here so then i searched for it and i realized that yeah it is a longer song and you hear the longer song and that's when the song actually works so i don't know whose decision it was to make this a radio edit because the radio edit just doesn't work at all true true So cool so all of us said this is an A right it's a solid A yeah yeah yep yep all in agreement all right fantastic so moving on to the penultimate track song number 8 this is wolves uh comes in again at 9 minutes and 1 second and again i'm going to be fucking honest over here by this song and while this song was playing i felt bored out of my fucking skull and <laughs> i'll tell you why it's 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 the problem of a sea of sameness because everything just feels familiar and not as if you're cooking with fresh ingredients right maybe it's because i'm being super critical but i don't know i'm asking you am i for me it's still solidly executed so executed song so i'll give it a b but uh, yeah am i being too harsh what do you think anurag Did no i'm definitely not when i was listening to the album like a bunch of times um i think i remember skipping over slanderous and i remember skipping over wolves probably the most amount of times like and i and i must have heard them still i must have heard them plenty of times still even though all the times that i skipped them but yeah it just seems um like this is not the machine head that started this album you know like the one that we hear at the beginning and the one that we hear around wolves is uh, it's kind of yeah kind of uh, disappointing for sure um it it seemed like a continuation of just things that they had already done and uh, yeah probably be feeling generous as always so be okay piro what about you so i'm not as crit- critical as both of you i'm giving this an a and uh, the reason why is cuz there's that part where he goes no satisfaction <laughs> and, and is that the only reason why you give oh my it? god peter <laughs> no no i'm just saying i mean like with with yeah, think back of the song that's the part it. that's the part that kind of sticks out for you right and i i, I agree to the points that you guys made i mean there's so much going on uh, on repeated listens you're just like okay and of course i can totally agree with you know skipping the song because at some point i think that like there are like some three or four songs that could have made been made out of just this song and uh, it just comes back to my point earlier right i mean i i'm not sure what they were trying to do maybe they were trying to make like the statement of like releasing these really long songs but uh, yeah i mean that's all i have to say about this because i'm waiting for the last song now we will go to the last song then it's a farewell to arms again long 10 minutes 13 seconds peter since you were waiting to talk about this song 
why don't you give this a go start so for me it, it the album kind of ends the way it started cuz like you know that opening makes you feel that you know okay they're finally slowing things down and all of that and then halfway through the songs like the second time he says a farewell to arms it all just like gets all aggro again and uh, yeah like at this point i just also wonder like the whole lyrics right because it seems like all over the place you see like okay there are certain things there and this part again is you know about the war and when he says the line like who is one when we're all dead is just kind of like leaves you thinking right so i enjoyed it i mean like these these are one of the few songs like i'd like to revisit off the album so i'm giving it an a hmm guess what i'm giving this one an a as well i actually enjoyed the song again if i must complain i'll say that it is a formula and that's absolutely fine because somehow on this song even though you're sticking to pain by numbers uh you're still managing to do a good novel job of it maybe you're coloring and combining and creating new shades which only you can see but whatever it, it works it also sounds like it was written to be the album ender because there's no other song on this album that could actually fit that mantle so perfectly positioned beautiful way to end the album uh it gets a solid a from me anurag yeah man uh a for me a plus probably i, th- I think i haven't given any song a plus so i might as well give this one an a plus because i think like it just has the sense of anticipation that they built right from you know like uh, clinching the fists of the scent as well you know like it just feels like they got it right again uh in in terms of just um the structure just everything that goes into it they really stomp through this one for me you know like uh and at least for me like i said like to hear a, a mostly thrash metal band like you know me craft a 10 minute song like this and uh yeah man like i was i still remember i would get lost in this song because it's uh, it's such a it's quite it's not a laborious listen that way but it's just yeah it's it's a very um it really takes you places in in that sense and i think they did a great job of just like latching on to those riffs and you know just like going from place to place almost like as if they were jamming i suppose but you know just like a really probably like almost like a perfect jam where you just feel like every part like sits in one after the other and you're running with it uh, so yeah for for that like it it definitely gets an a plus fantastic and there you have it in terms of pure music i'm sorry the black name but you want an Ollie's album yeah. by a long shot okay cool so let's quickly talk about the other aspects let's first talk production i have to say this album gets an a plus completely on the with respect to the production and how it sounds it's beautiful it's lavish it sounds excellent whether you're listening to it on tiny cheap ass headphones or whether you're listening to it on a prime state of the art music system and that's a fucking feat of lovely recording of lovely mastering of lovely mixing so yes full marks to everybody who engineered this album and is responsible to for how it sounds because it sounds fucking excellent yeah man i i mean i heard it on cheap headphones and there were parts where i was listening to it now i was like oh wow like this sounds nice and it's done also really well from what i've read it's like the band produced it in the, themselves and got uh, Colin Richardson to mix and master it so that was pretty cool i feel yeah and for me like it it felt like one of those things where uh, i just yeah i seemed to have got the impression that uh, especially i think this one came around the same time as Matadon's Crack the Sky i guess like two yeah, years yeah. three years apart so and i still remember like machine heads the blackening and mastodon scared this guy they were both like quite considered um yeah like albums of the decade or something like that you know like they they seem to have been ele- elevated to that position and i think part of that is definitely because they pay attention to things like production and uh, because they can just make an album like that like you said like multiple listens years down the line it still sounds freaking fantastic and i think that's that's definitely one of the things that will always sort of like salvage an album even if everything else is wrong with it yeah which i which actually kind of makes me wonder why would you like try to mess around with it i mean okay i get like uh, you know 14 years later you want to kind of do the cash grab and 
you know add extra demos or you know like isolated tracks and all of that stuff but like do you want to mess or fuck with something which is already so good i don't know man i don't think so yeah I mean, uh, unfortunately, yeah, I guess bands are these days predisposed. I, know, I think before it used to be labels who were predisposed, but now it sounds like bands are uh, seemingly predisposed to just go around and yeah, mess with stuff. <laughs> mess, mess with the uh, quote-unquote classics, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. But what about, yeah. What about the artwork? I mean, uh, I'm going to take a stab at it first. I, I really like the artwork and it also has that thing, right? Because this is the time i was kind of getting into more extreme metal so when you see a cover like this and especially a band like uh, machine head right uh, you're just like okay this is cool this is different so i'm i'm giving the artwork an a yeah oh i definitely man definitely a, a on the artwork as well for me and uh, if i didn't mention before a on the production as well because yeah like it, it just um, to me like like i said right like because it was the first machine had album that i was listening to like it definitely uh, i guess hit hit a right hit the right spot in terms of even the presentation of it like uh, it just felt like you know obviously a black and like you know almost like just two colors or something i suppose and yeah just like like the grimness of it all was was quite cool that way so i i definitely enjoyed the artwork at that time obviously it was all digital i never bought a physical copy of anything yeah, but <laughs> but, but, but uh, you know what this is the artwork i'd like to have on a t-shirt like definitely cool that way right i mean it, it looks metal definitely anvesh what do you take of the artwork uh yeah it's just it's it's good uh hmm uh it's metal it fits the album name it fits what i would expect from a band like machine head i've never seen like apart from the locust wala album i've never seen any other machine head album <laughs> up front so i really don't know what they used to what their artwork used to look like so yeah it's 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 a solid piece of art right i don't know so, man you want me to grade it i'll grade it with a why not it's not bad it's good <laughs> all right but i mean closing points i mean for me honestly and the only reason i kind of suggested this album is that this is peak machine head i mean honestly in the last 15 years or so uh, this is the only album i can like re listen to because every album after this i'll always check out like one listen two listens and then i'll try wonder that okay can they top the blackening and i've always ended up disappointed so yeah that i thought it would be great to like pick your brains and see what you all thought of this album you're absolutely right because this is the album that got everyone talking about machine head again and i think largely it comes from a place that says that no one expected this album to come from machine head in the first place right i don't think anybody ever expected that yeah uh weirdly enough somebody's rated this as the album of the decade we were What? just talking about this yeah no, like but like 2010s had i mean that era had so many albums <laughs> I just uh, was telling Peter about how like this was technically you know for me like I heard this and then much a few years later Crack the Sky came out which was also considered the metal album of the decade and stuff like that. Hmm. Um I but here's the weird thing right I can kind of understand why you would even bring this album into that kind of a conversation for album of the decade because I really think that this is an album that's a perfect example of a piece of music that's best remembered for capturing the essence of the times it was recorded and released in. Okay, here was an era or a decade where your legendary bands like the Big Four they weren't doing anything novel. True. In fact, everybody like each one of them kind of shat the bed uh with their individual releases you had the new eye candy coming up so lamb of god and gojira and you know the next next big bands as such they were coming up and they were showing signs of brilliance but they hadn't really mastered their sound and 
there was kind of like a lull in the metal sphere as such, especially when it came to thrash and when it came to American metal, right? Like good uh, meat and potatoes metal. And this was an opportunity waiting to be taken and full marks to Flynn and gang for spotting that opportunity and working their asses off to capitalize on it. And if you remember earlier in our chat, I had said that I'll talk about trends again. And this is the exact time to bring it up because I don't know how Machine Head managed to manage to do this, but they managed to buck trends and they managed to do a great job of spotting the right trend and creating something that gets them to maintain relevance. So trend core is definitely a word that I would use to use to describe machine head. And on this instance, I think they've done a pretty good job of, of spotting a trend even before it began, even before it became a trend, because yes, after the blackening, suddenly American metal just seemed to find its balls again. Yeah, yeah. true. I mean, that's the time, I, like I said earlier, right? You had all those retro thrash bands come in. I mean, I remember watching bands like Bonded by Blood and all of them, Vector. You had all, before the end of 2009, 10, you had all those bands uh, kind of spawn off. I mean, guys who weren't even born uh, when Metallica and Megadeth started out, they were kind of playing the retro trash. Okay, so here's my next question then. Is this album Machine Head's best album? Yes. Yes. I mean, especially because as a, uh, like, for me, it, it made uh, me a new fan of, of Machine Head to the point that, you know, obviously when, when an album, you hear an album like this and you know what a band is capable of, like, it made me very um, hyped when Under the Locust came out, like, four years later. And of course, that's a whole different story. But yeah, like, uh, it was it was definitely, uh, you know, it, you, you, can't, you can't buy that, you know, like, you have to make a solid album if you want a fan to stay and get, like, just hype like just on hearing the fact that a new album is coming out. And I think, yeah, like, uh, I guess hats off to them for, for doing that. Yeah, Anurag, you've, you've hit the nail on the head, man. Like what you went through with Unto the Locust, uh, that I went through the same thing. It made me actually go out and buy the fucking Locust Wala album. And I hated it because it was just like a, it seemed like such a try too hard attempt at recapturing the essence of the blackening. And then you realize that lightning doesn't really strike twice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But, but you know, uh, I, I think I said this before we started, uh, while I was looking up YouTube for the tracks and all of that, I discovered that the band actually played the entire album. So Machine Head's been doing this electric happy hour uh, every week. So 14 years of the album, they played the entire thing back to back along with, you know, the cover that was on the special ed deluxe edition, which is Battery. So for some of you who are interested, just check that also i'm i'm surprised like rob flynn can still play all this stuff huh? <laughs> why wouldn't he be able to <laughs> so long <laughs> hey okay okay here's 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 another final uh brilliant opinion that i have to share with you guys uh while reading up more about this album right i came up with this lovely invisible oranges piece uh which kind of recounts this entire album's uh, story and as beautifully said by Joseph Schaefer, the Blackening is the world's best Metallica cover band album. Oh, snap. I completely oh. agree. I completely yeah. agree. So good. It's true. <laughs> right? Isn't that the case? Isn't I mean, that the case? Can you imagine if Metallica got access to whatever Rob Flynn and company were smoking and released... And like, you know, just put their own spin on all of these raw materials or these raw ideas as such and release this instead of uh, that uh, Death Magnetic album. Oh, I thought you were going to say Lulu. <laughs> oh, no, no. Lulu was... Let's not even talk about that. But but yeah, it yeah, makes man. perfect sense, right? <laughs> I mean, it's like basically Rob Flynn basically 
took you know all the best parts of metallica out of them and then they just forgot like i i, I want to see like a reaction video since we're in the age of reaction videos right i want to see like what was metallica's reaction first time they heard this these songs have you guys uh, no so in, in, i think uh, there's a story right like uh, james hetfield apparently heard aesthetics of hate on the radio and and uh, like his i don't know whatever he really enjoyed it and that's the reason why machine had got invited to play with metallica Ooh. and wh- which is also why james hetfield joined the band on stage to play aesthetics of hate for a few oh. times well, so yeah, you know what they it, say about uh, yeah well you know what they say about imitation and flattery and all those things so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> or or like um you know maybe rob flynn like have you guys seen space jam Yeah. yeah 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 right so maybe rob flynn was like that guy who had the basketball and went to metallica and got all of them to fucking give them his powers and which is why metallica ended up with this in get that now that visual is not going to leave my head for a while <laughs> now there's your conspiracy theory oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay right, so on that note ladies and gentlemen it's another lovely edition of all a album unfortunately or fortunately this time we didn't end up uh getting an all a album but uh, it's still a great album to check out nonetheless machine heads the blackening 14 years in still remains a solid listen do check it out let us know what you thought of the album and tell us uh, hey that we don't know what we're talking about fight us we'd love to hear from you As always you can chime in and drop us a line at honsupport.com or on Twitter at honsupport. I'm also on Twitter I'm at asgoani. I'm at trend crusher and Anurag you're at I'm at Anurag Taget. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and, now and now he's also, no he is he is. <laughs> so go on. <laughs> he's no longer a hashtag. <laughs> oh right. Yeah, on Instagram I'm no longer a hashtag. I'm uh, handle on instagram <laughs> all righty then horns up guys horns up take care guys horns up